Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host, who would never destroy a good delusion, but who would jump right in and add value, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I am excited today, Andy. Um, I'm excited to to discuss the Santa Claus with you, because it is so rare that we jump into the genre of Disney horror. You know, um, most of these most of these movies are not dark wait, and twisted wait. the way that this movie. Wait, Larry. Yeah, this is a horror movie. It is absolutely a horror movie. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're not aware. Okay, just brief uh, description of it. A man has an encounter with a supernatural entity. The next day, he wakes up and tries to convince himself that the adventure he went on was not real. But his body begins to transform against his will. His, he finds his appetites changing. Things he didn't used to crave, he now craves. His instincts are different. His very thoughts are different. He's told that he now stands between two separate lives. And he must walk away from that everyday mortal life to join the realm of the supernatural. It is un questionably the story of a man who is cursed uh, and forced to be complete his transformation into a supernatural being a horror movie larry yeah this is a christmas movie are 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 you sure i'm pretty sure oh then i don't like it Oh my gosh. All right. All right. Well, let's jump into some key facts for this, uh, our Christmas episode. Please. I have so many questions. (laughs) Oh, and I'm not, I'm I'm afraid we're not going to have many answers. Okay. Well, the Santa Claus wasn't the movie's original title. The original screenplay was shopped around with the title, Such a Clatter. Ooh. Uh, Santa Claus, better title. Much better. Okay. Much better. So the original pitch was what would happen if a person killed Santa and then had to take his job? Okay. So in an earlier draft, Santa fell off the roof because Scott shot him. (laughs) No. Yes, that happened. It was a children's movie at that time. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's <laughs> my best Tim Allen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, keep going. Keep so, going. So a lot of people were offered this movie. Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Tom Hanks, Mel Gibson, Jeff Daniels. But Disney decided it would be the perfect place for Tim Allen to see if he could make the transition between movies and television. And Tim Allen's at the top of his game at this point. So, you know, fans came out in droves to see this movie. Okay. Okay. Now, during development of the script, Tim Allen was on tour as a comedian. And he invited the originators of this concept, uh, Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick, to come on tour with him to work on the script. Uh, Disney executive Jeffrey Katzenberg added screenwriter Janet Brownell to add some emotional texture to the story. And it took four years to get to the shooting script. And one of the main additions to the piece was Scott Calvin's son, Charlie. 
Yes. Okay. So wait, wait, yes. wait, wait. So, so this was not a father son movie in the mm, in, in the original. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Oh my lord. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. So This is the <laughs> fixed version of this movie. The, the they, they, they healed this movie before. Oh my, oh my. Well, okay. there's been a couple of healings. We'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, John Pasquin, who's the director of the Santa Claus, also directed the pilot episode in the first season of Home Improvement, which was the very popular TV show starring Tim Allen as the protagonist mm-hmm. dad. He's also the one who made the decision to cast children as elves. Uh, Which, yeah, good, de- fine. good decision. Um, we're supposed to think that this movie takes place in Illinois, but the Santa Claus exteriors were actually filmed in Toronto, including two of the public schools, uh, Hillcrest Park, if you're familiar with Toronto, and the Toronto Zoo. So a little movie magic there. Um, <clears throat> a little more movie magic involved in the uh, uh, is that they shot the film in an unseasonably warm spring. And the makeup, which took Alan four hours a day to take on and off, created heat blisters on the back of his neck as they shot inside a non-air-conditioned warehouse. Oh, awful. Awful. Yeah, not, not great. Not great. No, not great. Uh, so there was a whole Charlie subplot, which ended up getting cut. And from one source I read, Michael Eisner saw an early screening of the film, said it was too long, and gave the solution, cut every scene without Tim Allen in it. And in this subplot, Charlie was bullied, really, for his belief in Santa and struggled with his own belief in his father during the year uh, between there's two Christmases we see in the movie. So... That's what happened, apparently. Wow. And the movie grossed, I mean, $19.3 million opening weekend and $145.3 million worldwide spawned a couple of sequels and a TV series. So, here we go. So, unquestionably a success, Andy. And yet, I hated this movie more than I've hated any movie we've ever done, including Xenon, <laughs> Girl of the 21st Century. I would watch, there There came a point where I got midway through the movie and I said, I have to stop now. And it was days before I could go back to mm. it. And maybe we'll, un, maybe we'll unpack why I had such a hard time with this movie. Uh, shall we get into the plot? Yeah, let's get into it. I think we're going to get into a lot of why maybe we don't like this movie so much. So, Oh, you're with me on this. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you part oh. of the way and I'll, I'll get, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're both in the sleigh together. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> All righty. So the, the, we begin, as we always do, with the Manish Tana. And uh, this Manish Tana begins, we are at, it's Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. we are at a company party uh, where the, a toy company is celebrating a very adults only. I mean, when I say adults only, I, I make it sound a little bawdier than it is. It's it's a office Christmas party that where where some light alcohol is being served and people are being thanked for their contribution to the company's success over the course of the year. Um, and apparently, the, secretaries are sitting on their bosses' laps. And <laughs> this is definitely this is definitely. 
this is definitely 90s culture where people are like, you know, hey, your wife won't like that. Very public uh, display of affection with your secretary. Right. And and yes, and yes, that made me throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> but um, but you know, Christmas movie, what Christmas movie for children doesn't begin with some light jokes about adultery? <laughs> I I mean, <laughs> they all do. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to keep going. You have to keep going. <laughs> um, we, we are introduced to two employees who, in in particular, uh, did a great job of making the company successful this year. One of these two people is Scott Calvin, and the other one has a name. Um, but I don't know what it is and never really figures into the plot, Mm-mm. but okay. I feel like there may have been an earlier draft where that character was significantly more important. Uh, but, but, I uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Scott gives, uh, a speech with, with the, the, the coworker we will never refer to again. Uh, they, they give the speech together. They thank everybody for their contributions uh, and this is our introduction to Scott Calvin. We learn that he's he has his son for Christmas this year. He's divorced. He's driving home. Uh, he's late because he was at the company party. Uh, but but so he's late for Christmas Eve to pick up his son for Christmas. And I believe that would be the official Manish Tana for this. Right, A- Andy. Why do we begin here? I think we're supposed to see Scott as a toy salesman who needs redemption. That's what I think we're supposed to see. I And yet, I don't see it. No, I mean, I think I see a lot of... I think it sets the tone for the movie and that it's going to be a comedy. Um, it's going to feature the comedy of Tim Allen. If you're familiar with that from the 90s, I mean, you're seeing a lot of Tim's comedy in the movie. Um and, you know, but I don't, I I don't know. <laughs> the opening speech that, the, the speech that he gives to the rest of the company, generally speaking, if we're supposed to see him as a flawed character, mm-hmm. his speech at the beginning of the movie should demonstrate that flaw. Right. He should say, it should, it should be a self-congratulatory speech about, like, when maybe he makes fun of some of the other people at the toy company, uh, like he's a little prideful, he's a little boasting. Instead, he gives a really nice, decent human being speech where where he basically says this was a team effort. We all worked together. We all pulled it together. Um, everybody, I, I have to go. I got to go home and be with my family, but everybody be safe, responsible, and Merry Christmas and good things for the re- for next year. Right. I mean, I, he's not. But he's not. He's not a monster. No, but he's also, there's a Christmas party at his office happening on Christmas Eve. So I think... I think we're supposed to see him as somebody who doesn't have his priorities in line. That's what I think we're supposed to see. I, but I know it's it's weak. Real, it's weak. It's a real thing. If he if he was hanging out with his bros, mm-hmm. like like he was like, I have to get home for Christmas, and like a couple of other people come to him and said, Scott, we're going out for drinks. Come on, go out with us. He's like, I can't. I'm late. But then like he gets pressured in, and like he goes to the bar instead of being on time for his kid. Mm-hmm. That would be. Of law. Right. This is a work obligation party. Right. Where he is being honored 
for being the salesman of the year. I don't even know why he's keeping this a secret from his kid and his ex-wife. He should he should be able to say to his ex-wife, "Listen, they're honoring me at work. Uh-huh. Um, could you could you watch Charlie for a couple of hours? I will get there as soon as I can, but I have to be there." No reasonable person would say, "No, miss the ceremony where you are being honored." No one would say yeah, that. It's, he should it's bring a, Charlie. It's a strength. Yeah, he should. He brought Charlie to that. And then there's conflict between Laura. You took him to a what? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, that that could be interesting. But yeah. Could could be. He, Charlie could be like, but there's no other kids here. Right. Right. right Wouldn't right, that right. be better? Yeah. Like this is, you know, this is, this is an adult Christmas. This isn't a kid's Christmas right. sort of thing. Right. So that, that is uh, the Manish Tana. We get into exposition. <laughs> We're already fixing it, folks. <laughs> I, We're already fixing this movie it. This movie is, this movie is wrong. <laughs> it's wrong from, uh, I, I have never gotten presents from Santa Claus. I'm okay with it. Santa and I have talked it out. I'm fine with it. I was not I was not raised to expect presents from Santa. Yet somehow this movie makes me believe in Santa less? Mm. How is that possible? <laughs> well, this I you know, this movie is a version of like Teen Wolf, right? It's got a It's a werewolf movie. You're right. It, it is a werewolf movie. Got, it is a horror movie. It's got a Mrs. Doubtfire quality to it where things aren't always as they seem. Um, but yeah, we let's get into the plot. <laughs> I, I do I do need to I do need to say something because it needs to be said sure, up front. Sure. I in general love Santa Claus movies. Mm-hmm. I love I love the mythology of Santa Claus. I love the story of of old Saint Nick who loves kids and and has devoted his life to making children happy. I love Santa Claus movies. Right on. Which makes my hatred of this movie uh a, a surprise and a revelation to me. So but we're going to go back into plot. Yes. I just, I just need people to know I'm not Scrooge. No, you know, correct. this is not, not bah humbug. No. Okay. You probably love Christmas movies more than I do, honestly. I, I, I mean, I treat them as literature. Right. As, a, as right. you know, right. like I, I, I do have an outside look to them, but, but I mean, I, I love a good Christmas story. All right. Any, anyway, so back to the plot, such as it is. Scott gets home for Christmas, uh, it is clear his son does not, Charlie does not really want to spend Christmas with him. Um, but, you know, the custody arrangement basically gives gives them Christmas together. But Scott is excited to spend Christmas with his son. Uh, his ex-wife and her new husband, Neil, are also there. And we learned that earlier today, Neil had a conversation with Charlie. Charlie had been teased at school for believing in Santa Claus. He asked if Santa Claus was real. And Neil basically said, he's not in the sense, there's no there's no man Santa Claus who lives at the North Pole, but there's a spirit of Santa Claus that like, you know, we all try to be our best and create Christmas for each other. He gives, he gives what I consider to be probably the real answer. About what? Santa Claus? What? <laughs> well, like, like that, that, no, 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 no. Andy, 
Santa's real. Okay. But I think, I okay, think, cool. I think, <laughs> I think the way that right. Santa, no, no, no questions here. I think the way that Santa accomplishes so much is he enlists so many people as his helpers. Right. Okay. She's buying it, All folks. Right. She's buying it. Um, <laughs> But but he he gives he gives an answer that I think is not an unreasonable answer to this question. Scott is upset uh, and I think justifiably upset because he was not consulted in this decision about what do we tell Charlie about Santa Claus. Scott would prefer for Charlie to continue to believe in Santa Claus for reasons that he's never fully able to articulate. Mm -mm. Never does. Um. Which is, which is, you know, a, a thing that happens in other Christmas movies. The adult who doesn't believe in Santa, for some reason, is so desperate for his child to believe in Santa. Uh, but, I mean, but, Scott doesn't, you know, Scott doesn't believe what he's telling Charlie. Um, right. That's clear. But also, Scott's not authentic, really, about anything in his life. Except for, think, well, except for his loathing of Neil. I think he does love Char. I think I think right off the bat we know this is a dad who loves his son. Yeah, I it, it it's a dad who maybe expects his son to be a little more un understanding than a child should be mm -hmm. ab about his father's life. Um, you know, he tries to make a Christmas dinner. He just burns it. But but burning Christmas dinner isn't a, isn't like a crime to me. No, and it's also it's an unfortunate thing that it, he tried. Just yeah, failed. I mean, it reminds me of a Christmas story where in that movie, A Christmas Story, where uh, the Bumpus's dogs run off with the the turkey, and the family ends <laughs> up at the Chinese restaurant, and it's fun and charming and hilarious, you know, and it's sweet because they're all together, and and we learn the subtext is it's not about the meal, it's about the togetherness, right? That's totally. That's to not what we learn here at all. Christmas can't be ruined by ruining Christmas dinner, right? It, 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 like, like people might try to people might ruin Christmas, but anyone who's making a good faith effort to deliver Christmas yeah. is not ruining Christmas. Right. And I feel like the movie treats his inability to provide Christmas dinner traditionally to Charlie as a sin, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I feel like that is unforgiving. On our protagonist, right? Uh, but he then takes he then takes Charlie to Denny's for dinner. Yay! And um, what we see is there are other single dads who have also failed to 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 create Christmas dinner. That's pretty much all that's in Denny's. And if there's anybody here from Denny's, uh, Denny's marketing or Denny's advertising who listens to our podcast. I want to throw out to you if if you if Denny spent any money in getting themselves into this movie as a sort of product placement, you are entitled to a refund. <laughs> Cuz I want to explain to you that this movie treats the idea of going to Denny's for Christmas as the worst possible thing that you could do. Uh the waitress uh, whose name I think is is Judy. Judy, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, is a terrible waitress who basically like tells the tells the dads as they come in that they're you know like we're out of apple pie, we're out of Christmas dinner, we're out of everything. You know, like uh, like like basically like so if you 
This movie tells us, Denny's, Denny's advertising exec, that Denny's is your last resort place to go, an unpleasant place to be on Christmas. The food that is advertised on the menu and on the walls may not be available to you, uh, and the service is lousy. Get that money back. <laughs> you know, my kids would love to go to Denny's on Christmas Eve. I ran that by them. I was like, all right, let's say Christmas Justice dinner is- for Denny's. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, they were like, yeah, pancakes, whatever. I mean, it'd be fine. But this, it's clear that everyone is miserable and um, it's sad. And it is probably a sign that my uh, my my heart is not in this movie that I can take some time out to 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 express outrage on on the part of a restaurant chain that that was in a movie in the nineties. Fun fact. Right. Fun fact. All right. All right. Continue. Conti- oh, Let's get going. This is going to be an eight-hour-long podcast. I got to move us. Let's get to the inciting incident, eh? The inciting incident is in the evening. Uh, Scott and Charlie hear noise up on the roof. Uh, Scott comes out. He sees Santa on the roof. Santa goes, whoa, <laughs> slips and falls off the roof as if he's never done this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, falls and dies, I think, uh, in, in well, Scott's front he, yard. He waves goodbye and then disappears. Santa falls off the roof, dies, and nobody seems to care anymore. Nobody will ever care about that dead Santa. Whatever whatever decisions led him along his life's path, uh, when we later meet the elves and the, the, the reindeer do not mourn him, the elves do not mourn him. No one it's takes so two seconds to be like, weird. the old Santa is gone. It's like, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. This is a world in which, at the North Pole, the elves do not care about Santa. He's a middle manager. They've had middle managers before. <laughs> He's the guy who takes all the credit for all the work. Right, right. I mean, uh, let's let's get into rising action a little bit. I this is where I have a lot of things to say, Larry. Um, the, I still think we're in. A, yeah, are you still yeah, think I'm we're inciting you. incident? I don't even know that this is the inciting incident because you could tell me that the. I mean, so Scott puts on the suit, and he and Charlie decide to deliver Christmas to everyone. They get back to the North Pole, and uh, yeah, okay. Is that I'm, exposition I'm just, I'm, still? It, I don't even know, because the inciting incident might be this whole evening. It might be the moment where Scott learns that by putting on the suit, uh, he he is forever damned to be Santa Claus. Yeah. Apparently, being Santa Claus is a non-consensual experience. If you don't read the fine print on the business card, you too may be damned to become Santa Claus. Well, it's a Santa curse, Claus. right? I mean, it and, is and, a curse. and who wouldn't, I mean, as somebody who is an avid believer in Santa and has helped him on many missions, like, why well, would love to be Santa Claus? If you could tell me that I could leave a life of, you know, toy sales in the Midwest and go be Santa Claus. Heck yeah. This is, this is a <clears throat> Santa Claus movie that posits, um, Uh, An upper management above Santa Claus that has created a bureaucracy that insists that, you know, like we're we're operating under Highlander rules. Whoever killed the old Santa becomes the new Santa. There can be only one. (laughs) 
why not have there have to be people in the world who would joyfully become Santa. There have mm. to be people who love children that much. This this cannot be a draft. I want an all volunteer Santa Santa army. Right. I, I don't want to I don't want to draft people into it, but Scott has been drafted into being Santa Claus and he does not want it. And not only that. It's cruel because he has a child that he loves and he's told you have one year to wrap up your life and then your old life is gone. Scott Calvin will no longer exist and you will be Santa until I guess you fall off the roof and until until the next Santa kills you. Uh, it's that, weird. That's the I mean, this movie nods to Miracle on 34th Street. There's even a Miracle on 34th Street bit in the movie. Um, which actually has a dramatic question, you know, is Chris, is this mysterious man, Chris Kringle, is he really Santa Claus and can, and can this family be saved by believing in him? Right. And I think that's what the filmmakers are trying to do here. But if that's the case, that dramatic question needs to be asked really early. I think this movie is trying to use the Santa Claus metaphor as like a Christmas carol. That we're supposed to see Scott Calvin as a Scrooge-like character mm-hmm. who needs to be transformed by the spirit of Christmas into a good person. Mm. Except, I don't believe Scott Calvin to be Scrooge. No. He, he's, he's, a, he's not a perfect man. He has flaws, as do we all. His priorities need tweaking, tweaking, but they don't need drastic rearranging. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this movie is a series of gags, right? And which is great if you're into that and you want to see an extension of Tim Allen's comedy. It's slapstick. It's goofy. Uh, but and but all we've seen so far is that Scott's son doesn't want to be with him until this fateful night, and that movie is almost a separate movie, like that. <clears throat> how do I want to say this? Like that is kind of wrapped. And then he wakes. Wh- you know what I mean? Why isn't the whole movie dad and son have to deliver Christmas because Santa's disappeared. And why isn't that the entire movie? Why don't we spend the whole night in that evening, their misadventures over one Christmas right. where they're filling in for Santa Claus. And then at the end of the night, we learn that the gift that Santa's not really dead, that the gift that Santa gave the two of them was this time together to grow and understand and have an adventure right. and believe in Christmas. And then we know that from that point on, Scott and Charlie will be okay. Mm-hmm. That is uh that is a Christmas movie to me. Well, and it's, that's I mean, what it should be. It kind of sounds like Elf a little bit, right? Um, sure. So, which is also Elf is a great, it's a great Christmas movie. movie. It's a super movie. So Scott's son doesn't want to be with him. Uh, Scott clearly wants to be with his boy, and while he's a little torn between his work and family, he isn't getting his priorities quite straight. But you, like you said, he's trying, right? It's also kind of clear that mom and the new stepdad, Neil, have poisoned the well with Charlie a little bit. Sure. Okay. So. Sure. They're not great either. So, I want to point out. They, no. I, I, they're, they're awful. They're terrible. I mean, I know. They're terrible. So. They're, they're portrayed as the good parents. But, but they're not. But. 
they are constantly sniping at him in front of yeah. in front of Charlie. Yeah. I'm also reasonably convinced that Neil was the marriage therapist that that Scott and his uh, wife went to, and that in therapy Neil Neil decided he was in love with the wife, and that's how yeah, they got together. Yuck! 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 Okay, I, I think I don't think I'm imposing that. I think that's is that in, in the there? movie. I think oh, there's I a line it. where Scott says something along the lines of, "Yeah, maybe you can pay him money to wreck your marriage too." It's something oh, like wow. I, I can't re. I can't rewatch it to find the quote because I will not rewatch it. <laughs> so anyway, so the universe has decided that Scott has to be Santa Claus, that he's the chosen one, right? But like, there's no... He's not even the chosen one. He's just the guy who killed Santa. Right, it, but there's... It, it's not predestined. But there's no clear reason he needs to learn this lesson. No. Because he doesn't... There are there are worse people in the world right. than Scott. And P.S., most of them work at the North Pole, those worst people in the world. Um, well, they're, yeah. Okay. I, well, I'm, I mean, I'm so, serious so about one, that. So one of the reasons, I think, Larry, that this movie doesn't work as a movie, and, and I'm, I know we're kind of straying from plot right now, but there's no clear dramatic question. And it occurs to me just right now, like as I'm saying this, that uh, the dramatic question is a yes or no question. <laughs> Will Charlie believe in his father? Will Charlie believe in Santa Claus? Those are good questions, but this movie isn't about Charlie as the protagonist who needs to change his views. It's been set up with Scott as the protagonist. So Scott has something that he needs to learn. So we have a question, right? Will Scott win Charlie over from Laura and Neil? Which is awkward because we don't really want either parent to win or lose. And the question gets answered in a really weird way. In order, really weird. In order for you to win your kid over, you have to outdo the other parent in such a colossal way that it requires supernatural intervention so strong that you can now co-parent. I guess. <laughs> so, but he's not going to co-parent I, at the end of this movie. I, I, I know, I know. So the question we're really asking about Scott is a why question. Why is he turning into Santa Claus? I have to be invested in the why with the exposition before I care about the will he or won't he dramatic question. If he's, if he's turning into Santa to fix his relationship with Charlie and get his priorities straight, that doesn't seem like the best reason. No. And it's also not a choice he made. Right. I mean, that this is one of those things. The choice that he made was either he had, he was given a choice. He could let Christmas be ruined by, by having killed Santa and not putting on the suit, or he could take responsibility. Although I don't, I just think he's got a loud, I think Santa's bad. The old Santa was bad at his job. Mm -hmm. Scott heard noise on his roof. He went outside to check it out. Santa like is startled. Hey, this guy is checking out why I'm on his roof. Slips, falls, dies. That's not Scott's fault. Right. That's not Scott's fault. Right. Santa should be good at that. Um, yeah, I mean, Scott, uh, but, Scott's better at it than Santa is, I guess. Oh, for sure. But but even beyond that, when you're saying, like, why is he, like, we, 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 when you're saying why, the, the answer we could say is, well, because he put on the suit. But the real question that the larger why is, why is the universe doing this to him in what, right, you know, and right. I think, I think you're exactly right. We don't know. But the, but the, in the but, audience. Yeah. Oh, no, please. After you, the, Andy, and then I'll, I'll the, say my the, thing. The dramatic question isn't a why. 
it's 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 not a why question. The why questions tell us what the stakes are in the beginning. Like we set up the world, mm-hmm. we answer the whys up front. The dramatic question, I think, if it's a key, about a key conflict inside the protagonist, we can learn about why he has the conflict, right? Sure. In the in the exposition, we can learn all about it. We see, I don't see any inner conflict in him at all or any concern about him other than I just want my kid to spend Christmas with me and like it, right? That, so uh, it, it, this is a yes or no question. Uh, the, the dramatic question should be, which is, can this be fixed? And see, here's the thing. From my audience perspective, you're, by the way, 100% right. And even while I was watching the movie... I knew I was asking the wrong question when I was watching it because the question I as a viewer was watching is how does he break the curse? How does he stop mm-hmm. becoming yeah. Santa Claus? Because he clearly does not want to become Santa Claus right. and his life is getting worse than worse yes. the more he transforms. Yes. Uh, and for me, you know, having not seen this movie before, I kept expecting to hear because there's like a bit earlier in, with when when Bernard is talking about the card, like he goes through a bunch of fine print. And like, I, I think I heard him say uh, that you that un- until you uh, relinquish the coat, either through through death or uh, some something, 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 something. And it made me wonder if the old Santa had faked his death to get Scott to put on the Santa right? Claus suit. Yes, as a and, gift, and, right? Yeah. I, I, I just think I, I just think it was his escape clause, mm, if you will. Interesting. Uh, like, he didn't want to be Santa. And that, like, as we were getting towards midnight, Bernard would say, listen, if you don't find the old Santa and get him back the suit, that's it. You're, you're Santa. That's we. The universe needs a Santa, and right now it's you. And that it might be a journey with a ticking clock. Christmas is about to begin. Can Scott find the old Santa and give the suit back to him? Right. Scott does nothing to break this curse. He doesn't know how. And the movie, the movie treats it like it's a done deal. You put on the suit. It's unfair, but you're Santa. Deal with it. Yeah, I mean, the, so, and and you're right. The movie also, like I said, nods to Miracle on 34th Street, right? We've talked, I mentioned that, but in that, it, it strikes me that the main difference between these two movies is that Chris Kringle enjoys being Santa with all of his heart. And Scott Calvin sees being Santa as something that interferes with his life, which isn't that does. great, right? And being Santa is a definite improvement for him but is but it's not what he wants. It's not what he chooses. It's weird. He's like Santa by default. It's it's weird. It's so when, weird. When we talk about Scott as a character, I have a potential solution for this whole movie, but I'll save it for that. Let's let's try to finish the plot. Yeah. Such as it is. Yeah. So over the course of the year, as Scott is slowly being tra- transformed, slowly, I don't know if it's slow, uh, transformed into Santa Claus, which means some body changes in him that he does not welcome. By the way, there, uh, also, there's a lot of fat shaming in this movie, and it's just, it's, it's like really hard to, it's hard to 
watch and and we're supposed to laugh at the body shaming mm-hmm. and, and and look he can be upset that he suddenly gained 40 pounds overnight i would be upset if i gained 40 pounds overnight right being upset about it the shame part comes from we're supposed to laugh at ha 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 look at how much weight he's gained and what his physical appearance and everybody he meets is disgusted by right him. exactly um, when they, just... when they see his new physical appearance and they treat him as if he's dying yeah uh, like like this it's awful it's awful yep um but you know, uh, I, I can't even. I can't even because that's not even in my top ten list grievances with I this know, movie. I know. I know. There's uh, a lot, but there's a lot. <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pause my hate-filled vitriol to just take a moment with Andy and go, Andy, I love you, and I love doing this podcast with you. Merry Christmas. I also like doing this podcast with you. Merry Christmas. But I. I, I think the pre-production texting is my favorite part. The part the okay. audience never gets to see. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I, I'm going back in. All right. H- hold me. I'm going back in. I got you. I got you, Larry. All right. So over the course of this year, as he's transforming, uh, basically everyone decides that Scott is crazy. Scott is crazy because Charlie believes Scott to be Santa Claus. Um, Scott kind of does not encourage that, you know, like he, like he, when Charlie looks him in the eyes, he, 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 he has to admit it, but it is a completely unfair accusation. They acute, they use his body transformation as an example of how he is not fit to have custody. That he's delusional. Charlie. Right, right, right. Because that they, they say you're modifying your body to look like Santa to include, to, to foster this delusion in Charlie. Uh, it is a world full of terrible people. The school principal has way more power over what these parents <laughs> decide in their lives. They're like, he's like, he's like, you have to. T-. She's like, you have to tell him that Santa's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the doctors like are laughing at his at his weight gain. The people at the company are like, tell him, pull it together, man. Stop eating hot fudge sundays all the time. It is an ugly, ugly, terrible world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and very quickly it's Christmas again. I was like, oh, it's Christmas again. Uh, I I guess it is. Uh, and on Christmas Eve, uh, as all as all custody battles do, the judge decides on Christmas Eve it's time to take custody away <laughs> from from Scott. There are a lot of people, you know, like the workplace, like demands of the the court and also. Scott's company on Christmas Eve are a little, it's a little much. <laughs> uh, but the most, okay, you're saying this, but, and, and I agree with you. I agree with you on all of that. But the most toxic workplace in this movie is the North Pole. <laughs> They're and, still working and, to, for the next year. Like they never get a break. <laughs> Santa comes back having delivered the toys the elves are still manufacturing. They're getting a jump on next year. There is no moment of joy for the elves. We're like, we did it. Let's have a little party. <laughs> Nothing. Get back to work, elves. Um, and for twelve, think about next for year. 1200, about next for year. 1,200 years they've been doing that, huh? 
I, I'm, I can't. Okay. okay. I, I, I got to get through. I got to get through. Keep going. <laughs> um, Santa, S- Scott, who's now Santa, Bernard shows up and Bernard's like, <sighs> hey, why don't you just take, you know, I know you've just lost custody of your child, but I see no problem with us absconding with him to the North Pole. Uh, and, and Scott's like, yeah, I think that would be cool, too. So they uh, basically Santa kidnaps his child and takes him to the North Pole. We in the audience are not supposed to view it as a kidnapping. But that's exactly but what it lost, is. <laughs> if you've lost custody uh-huh, of your child uh-huh. and you take the child away from his guardians without their permission, it is a kidnapping. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and of course, the parents call the police. And the police like start arresting, right? as you would. Um, and the police start arresting Santa Clauses on Christmas as if they have no understanding that people dress up as Santa on Christmas. They, they're like ready to shoot. They see a guy in a red suit. They're like, that's our perpetrator. Gun him down. Uh, like, uh, I, I don't understand. Uh, I have so many questions about this movie. I didn't believe, Andy, that Santa could be caught by the police on Christmas Eve. If people don't believe... I, I know. It, but they can. <laughs> but they can. <laughs> they catch Santa. Uh, although Santa's been decked out with all sorts of technological advances this year, which do not play into the plot. At all. Like, they make right. it at all. Right. Like, they, they spend all time like, here's the new Santa suit. He never uses the new Santa suit. He never, it does nothing to help the plot here. There, there are Santa, lots of things that are paid off, like the the new CD player or the elves, you know, the the SWAT team elves or special unit. I'm about to unit. get to the okay. SWAT team elves. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, so Santa goes to jail and back at the North Pole. This is apparently something that happens all the time. They have a contingency plan for Santa going to jail. They have a bunch of secret agent elves who also have technology. And, and P.S., I, I just want to throw this out there. Santa and the elves use magic. They are magic. Yeah. It's not about R&D. It's not about tech. It's not about advances in science. They are magical. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't be caught by the police. They don't get picked up by security cameras. They are magic, you fools. (laughs) Uh, But okay. Um, The elves go in. They rescue Santa. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa delivers all the toys, then he brings Charlie back to the, well, some of the toys. He brings Charlie back to the house because, uh, stepmom and step, no, mom and stepdad were worried. Um, mom and stepdad are convinced that actually Scott is Santa Claus and the kidnapping was not really a kidnapping, although it totally was. It was totally a crime. Yeah. Uh, Santa's now on the naughty list, and I believe that means Christmas is over forever. It's just that thing. That's how you undo Christmas, is you get Santa on the naughty list. Did you know that? Uh, I did not um, know that. I didn't, no, he is now that. the anti-clause. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Let's not uh, do that. But, okay, sorry. Um, but So the climax but, is everyone believes in Santa. 
Right. Everyone sees Santa. Everyone believes in Santa. Uh, and then mom says, okay, you know, Charlie, uh, you can go on the sleigh with, with dad slash Santa. Uh, she undoes the custody battle by burning the papers. Yeah. And I just want to point out, you cannot reverse a course court order <laughs> by throwing the papers in the fire. What? That might be a nice symbolic gesture, but that is not how any of this works. Right. I mean, not how any I of mean, it works. What's crazy is here's Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night, right? And they get the weenie whistle and the mystery date and the soccer ball. And like we have a little bit of a fade out and then Charlie looks for Santa in the snow globe and starts complaining about it. Even after he's had all these magical experiences, like nothing impresses this kid for any kind of any length of time ever. I mean, this movie is so stupid, Andy, because there's one part where where mom is like, calling up to Santa and her son and says, you can take him out, but don't fly over the ocean. And why not? Why not fly over the ocean? That's the safest place for Charlie to fall. If he if he flies over land and he falls out of the sleigh, he's dead on impact. If he falls into the ocean, he's fine. You're a moron. Um, don't fly over the don't fly over water. My child might fall out and uh, live. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I hate this movie, but we're not done. <laughs> oh God. We're not done because we we have um, some falling action, yeah. which is Santa comes back and Charlie's like, but dad, I want you to be in my life. And he's like, well, I can't be now. I'm Santa and I got to be Santa all the time. But if you ever need me, like on a rare occasion, like if every once in a while you want to see the man you love, your father, uh, you can summon me and I'll come. And he disappears off to the North Pole and then Five seconds later, Charlie summons Santa, and we see that Dad will always show up, although Dad has lost everything. I kept waiting for it to be all a dream. I never want it to be all a dream. I wanted Scott to wake up and be like, what a crazy dream I had that I was You want him to be Bobby Ewing, right? You want that all? I, I don't want uh, this. I know. I don't I know. want Scott. Like, if, if there's anything out you're rooting for in this movie, it's for Scott and Charlie to be together. Scott should not have to give up his whole life. If the elves did without him for most of the year, they can do without him every year till Christmas Eve. They can transform his body the day of Christmas. Yeah, but it's magically. magic. Why does he have to? And the other thing is, like, why in order to be Santa do you have to gain a bunch of weight? Like, why do you have to let's let's get into character. Let's talk about Scott Calvin. I, I do I do want to say this movie posits that if a woman killed Santa and put on the on the coat, yes. she would transform into male, overweight, bearded, white Santa. Right. That it does not matter what you look like, Santa must look a specific way. This movie is not inclusive of Santas of all shapes, sizes, genders, colors, none of it. No, no. And I hate it. I do too. I mean, I talking about Scott Calvin, thinking about his character, that I think the, you know, when we see the turkey being burned, it's clearly a callback to home improvement. Home improvement. Right? Yeah. Um I, gonna cook this turkey with more power. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so it's kind of like, and that's, you know, if that's what you're looking for, it's funny, I guess. But he doesn't 
He doesn't really want anything. Scott, other than to be with Charlie, which if maybe if, he wants to be back with his ex-wife. I yeah. Mean, he's pretty mad at Neil. Yeah, that seems to be a thing that he wants. A thought that I'm having. Like if we knew in the exposition, let's say, that Laura and Neil were all about Santa Claus. And Scott was sure. and Scott was all like, I'm Santa Claus, Charlie, and kept that cynicism, right? I sell toys to parents. And, right. and Charlie doesn't want to spend a boring Christmas with someone who doesn't play Santa or worse. He hurts Charlie really deeply. Then Scott. Scott should make fun of Charlie. Aren't yes. you a little old to exactly. be believing in Santa Claus? And, exactly. And then if Scott is chosen to be the uh, Santa that he's only been pretending to be, well, then we have a movie that asks a different question, right? Can I tell you how I'd fix it, Andy? Because you'll love how I'll fix it. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reveal at this end of the movie should be that Scott was always Santa Claus and forgot. That for the last couple of decades, they've been bringing in substitute Santa Clauses. Because Scott, because the real Santa, one white went out on Christmas, uh, disappeared, uh, and like lost his memory, a la Kermit in The Muppets Take Manhattan, (laughs) and has gravitated towards a life. He got married. He had a kid. For some reason, he always wanted to work in a toy factory. For some but but like, there's always been this part of him that like, he never really fit in in this world. Mm-hmm. So the elves have concocted a scheme to try to get him back to his old self as Santa Claus. This isn't a curse. It's a redemption. This isn't a it is bringing, uh, like, his true self has always been Santa Claus, and they're bringing him back to himself, mm-hmm. and he remembers who he used to be and becomes the better person he once was. He was always Santa Claus. Yeah. This isn't, I mean, I, and that's why the other guy was so bad at it. And that's why Neil and, and if you've ever got not gotten the thing you asked Santa for, it's because it was during this brief period where Santa was like Santa was being pitched in by a substitute Santa. Mm-hmm. The real Santa would have gotten it for you. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't we, know. I think that's better. We still have opportunities for gags. Right. But we'd also have sure. an arc for the protagonist that makes sense. I mean, I think these gags um, are fun. You know, they're funny, but it's not a movie. It's like, it's like watching a three stooges episode, or it's like watching something like, like slapstick and funny, but it's not that, that has a theme of Christmas, but it's like not Christmas. This is, this is a movie that has, that is set during Christmas. Mm-hmm but without any of the spirit that makes Christmas special for people. And I realize you're just now your, um, your pitch there about how to fix this is hook. The movie hook with uh, Robin Williams. Totally. He's the, he's got to remember he's the pan, right? He's got to remember. He's He's got to remember he's Peter Pan. It's got to come. Honestly, I think I would like, which is a great, no offense to the, no offense to the performance of Tim Allen in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I do not criticize the performance. But I would like the kind of Scott Calvin that Robin Williams would have been. Mm. You mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Like Robin Williams can give you the per- a performance of someone who desperately loves children and has an inner child. We have a, we have a performance where at the beginning he's this straight-laced toy maker who does the business stuff and he reconnects to his inner child and becomes Santa Claus. Um, 
I, it, that's not what this movie is, but I, it's, it, this it's movie a, is so it's cynical. It's a movie of more Christmas spirit. It's so cynical. And, and watching and thinking about, I don't think it's a movie for children. I think it's a movie for, no. you know, if, if you are a child and you're watching your parents fight each other, right? And you're taking sides and you're, you identify with Charlie, you're taking sides as to which is the fun parent, right? And in order to get your kid back, you have to be the ultimate fun parent. It's weird. Super weird. I just, I just don't need, I don't know that this movie is for anyone. It's, it's a huge success. It has a bunch. So clearly this is for someone, right? But for me, I don't need a cynical Santa Claus. Yeah. I don't need grumpy, surly elves that are joyless. I don't need nasty reindeer who fart. I want some happy people who love children. I want a Christmas movie that loves children. That, that, a, a movie about redemption or a movie about love. That's what, that's yeah, what mean, a Christmas movie is supposed the, to be. The principal doesn't point them back into loving Charlie. The judge doesn't point them back into loving Charlie. Nobody says, hey, let's love Charlie. Or what does, what is, let's make this no about Charlie. No one questions that Scott loves Charlie. Yeah. They all say every single time, like, we know you love your son, but you gain some weight. And that's bad for your child. Custody revoked. Well, or like, or like, I think they're trying to borrow too hard from Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street with Chris Kringle, right? That he's delusional, that he needs to be locked up, that he needs some sort of psychiatric evaluation. There's something really wrong with somebody who believes that they're Santa. Um, it's borrowing too hard from that, but it's and, and it's diluting the dramatic question. That they're trying mm. to go for it's it's tr- this movie is trying to be too many things way too many way things. too many and things therefore it's nothing yeah if you try if you try to be everything for everybody you're nothing for no one yeah and that's that's kind of how i feel about this movie but i'm super curious uh, too about the cuts that were made if you take out you know if they're like okay we're going to take out every scene that tim allen isn't in you're going to change the pov Right. You're going to change any mm-hmm. kind of moment where people are talking and saying, I, you know, you're not going to see Charlie's heart because right now Charlie reads as sort of an entitled brat. Um, he does. I, I mean, does. I hate that, uh, but he does. He's not a kid he's that the I nicest character in this. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone else is rotten and terrible. These people don't deserve Christmas. Andy. I mean, like even Bernard. I don't want to say that. Yeah, like even Bernard doesn't really, because like here he is, somebody who tells him, oh, you're going to be Santa or else. This is how it is. Didn't you read the fine print? This is how it works. And not like there's no grief that we've lost it's Santa. All- there's no, there's nothing. I mean, and there's no, <gasps> there's not even the understanding that, uh, uh, give me, give me two yeah, seconds. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, to yeah, you. yeah. There's not even the understanding that this is something that would be upsetting to any normal person. It's like you're Santa, deal with it. There's no counseling. Over to you, Andy. Larry. You What's your guess? Larry, there yes. is no foiling in this movie. None. There no is antagonist. no antagonist really and no foiling. In the movie that I posited where he was once Santa Claus... I see there a villain who put a curse oh, on Santa wow. to make him forget. No, I that th- would be- I think there's a great reason to watch this movie. <laughs> I and 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 I think it's the re- like if you're struggling with like 
what happens when you don't create a good foil or what yeah. happens when you have no clear dramatic question, you get the Santa Claus. I think the foil is supposed to be Mr. Whittle, the boss, Yeah, but that they must have cut all of the scenes about him. They must have cut him entirely from the guy who runs the the adult toy. I, when I say adult toy, I don't mean I don't mean I, know, I mean, mean the toy <laughs> the toy store run by adults as opposed by elves. Right, right, right. Um, I I think he's supposed to like contrast with Santa Claus. He's the corporate toy maker, mm-hmm. but he is barely in this movie. And the only thing he actually does in this movie in this movie is say that his business is in the business for selling toys. Also, like Scott. Uh, here's the other issue with Scott, Andy. Midway through the movie, there's a scene at the grown-up toy company uh-huh. where they're unleashing like their new marketing for next Christmas, which is Santa in a tank delivering his toys instead of the reindeer in the sleigh. Right. Uh, where they do not make the obvious joke about about the way in which the tank gun is positioned against Santa's body. Right. Um, but it is... It is very clearly a crude sexual manifestation right, of right. Santa's genitalia. Um, but we put that aside. We put that aside because Scott gets angry and he starts saying, Santa wouldn't drive a tank. Santa wouldn't do this. Santa this, Santa that. And this is the moment where I wrote in my notes, his mind is being replaced. Yeah. He's being overwritten. There will, but at the end of this year time, Scott Calvin will be no more. Santa will have overwritten him entirely, his DNA, his mind, and Scott Calvin will cease to exist. Wow. Which is why I felt this was a horror movie. Because the change is being forced on him. His inner change is being forced on him by an external supernatural force. Rather than a conclusion that he's come to naturally. He's starting to talk like Santa Claus. And, and, think and like that's Santa. that's why I was like, you got to break this curse. You're going to forget that your son is your son. You're going to forget you were ever. Yeah. Scott so Calvin. why does. Yeah. It's well. So I think pre-production, we talked about why Scott Calvin's last name is Scott Calvin. Right. And is it's this a, a Cal, yeah. is this kind of a Calvinist movie where this this uh, is this free will versus determinism where we have a determined, irresistible call to be Santa Claus and you can't I, stop it no matter whatever. You know, it, it's... Ugh. I think this is a movie that posits that all... I mean, you know, my knowledge of Calvinism is less than yours. But I, I will say that the philosophy I got from this is that all people are basically terrible. Mm-hmm. And that Christmas is one of the few things that can, can, can get someone to be good. Mm-hmm. And therefore must happen... And, and, and if it doesn't happen, we will all be forever damned. Christmas and Santa mm-hmm. Claus is the only thing keeping us on the good side of the line. And without him, the forces of darkness will live for, will win forever and we will all burn. And yay! <laughs> this is not explicitly said as text. No, you but can call this. No, but it's there. I think, I think it's there. I think that. You know, if Scott doesn't do this, then there is no Christmas for anybody. And there's no question that he can't do this or won't do this because his mind is being, you know, changed. 
It's ah, it's just gross. It's so gross. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read another one of my notes. I, okay. I actually don't even want to talk about the characters anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't okay. I'm done. I, I, I'm done. <laughs> I want to do my festivus list of grievances. If Bring I can. It. Yes. Yes. All right. I, I'm erecting so, the festivus pole right now. <laughs> please, and then and then we'll do our new game after that. If that's okay. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> okay. So here's my list of grievances. Um, I wrote in my notes. Over and over again. Why does God allow Christmas to happen this way? Why are the rules these rules? Wh why? Why? It made me, it like, like it really made me question because the, it, the, okay. I, you're going to help me out on the theology part of this. I'm going to sure. pose the question. You don't have to answer it. I don't, I don't need this to be all on your shoulders. It's okay. As, as a, as a Santa Claus outsider. It seems to me that in the universe, uh -huh. two possibilities are true. The first, which is which is not your truth, Andy, would be a world in which Santa Claus did not exist. Right. And in that world, adults get presents for Santa and leave them under the tree. There is another world in which Santa is real and delivers toys to children under each tree. Mm -hmm. So how do you have the world in which adults uh, don't believe in Santa, but yet under the tree every year, there are presents that neither one of them put there? Mm. How does that happen? How do you rectify it? And I'm not saying it is an unsolvable possibility, but in the, so, so you would have to say, if, if Santa is real, there is a certain level of magic that smooths away all of these edges mm. and allows Santa Claus to operate in the world without adults detecting him. And maybe the adults secretly believe they got those presents for their children. Yeah. But that that, that you use magic as the explanation. And you don't question too hard. But when you add the complication of the police can catch Santa at his job. When you add the complication of you might accidentally hear Santa on the roof, go outside, Santa might slip and fall and die. When at the end of the movie, 300 people see Santa in his sleigh. Uh -huh. Why is this a world in which people don't believe in Santa? Santa is capable of delivering concrete proofs of his existence. Right. The Toy Story world makes more sense than the Santa Claus world because the toys know they can't reveal themselves. And we can buy everything that happens here. If Santa Claus is allowed to be seen doing his Santa Claus stuff by adults, what is even happening here? What are the stakes? Why doesn't Scott say, actually, I am Santa. Here's my magic sack. Here's my reindeer. Watch me fly laps around the school, school principal. Mm -hmm. I'm Santa. Want to come with me? I'll take you to Bahamas. You could, like, why? 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 Why any of this? Why does it work this way? Well, that's why, some people. Why must Santa be a conscript? Well, that's. Volunteer Santa. I don't know. <laughs> none of this. None of this makes sense. Why? It, None it, of it, does. it definitely doesn't exist in the world of the other of how we understand Christmas, unless, unless your world 
involving Christmas and your ideas involving Christmas are only about what you got and what you didn't get. If that's the if that's the only thing with Christmas that you if that's the only way you see Christmas, then they're gonna yeah, then I guess this I guess this works for you. So there is a moment in this movie where Laura, uh, Scott's Scott's ex-wife, gives um, a quote-unquote dramatic monologue about the day she stopped believing in Santa Claus, which is so clearly, like, written as if it's an audition piece. It reminds me very much of, like, put that monologue side by side with the monologue from the movie Gremlins about how Santa died in the chimney. Put those two things together for me, uh, someone, as as a side-by-side comparison. I would love that. They're, they're delivered in the exact same way. Mm. And her story is this. Every week for a year, she wrote a letter to Santa Claus because she really wanted the board game Mystery Date by Milton Bradley. It was so important to her. She wrote to Santa every week and begged for a mystery date. And then Christmas came along and she didn't get mystery date. And that was when she stopped believing in Santa. And the obvious question that this movie doesn't tackle is, why didn't Santa give her mystery date? Santa's real. She wrote a letter every week. It's well, very clear what she wants. Was she bad? No, I, why I maybe didn't she get may, mystery day. Well, sometimes, sometimes Santa doesn't bring you things because he doesn't think you need them. She, but clearly, she did. Well, she clearly did or maybe need Santa it to th- believe in Santa. Or maybe Santa th- be good. Or maybe Santa thinks that you can, you know, save up your pennies during this year and buy a mystery date for yourself. In or maybe, movie, or maybe Santa doesn't work with Milton Bradley, or doesn't have a whatever, right? Neil says he stopped believing in Santa Claus when he was three years old. And I, I, there's a lot to parse in that because I cannot remember being three years old. Right. Um, and that what he really wanted was a weenie whistle, which maybe cost what? Uh, uh, let's, let's be, let's be, uh, sure. Let's say a dollar fifty. <laughs> and Santa didn't deliver a weenie whistle to a three-year-old. And it caused that three-year-old to not believe in Santa. Mm-hmm. Did Santa believe that three-year-old Neil should get a job? <laughs> I mean, so Santa doesn't always give you all the things that you want. I mean, and that's a, that 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 raises a whole bunch of other questions because. But in this movie, yeah, in this movie, talk about that. Explain why you didn't give her a mystery. Yeah, gift. explain yeah, why you yeah. didn't give him the the weenie whistle. Something along those lines. If Scott, if Scott said, if Scott said to to to, um, if Scott said to Neil, I in the attic, there's a box, and in that box. Is the weenie whistle I, Santa left for you when you were three, and <clears throat> your brother saw it first, and he he took it and he hid it, but I gave it to you, or or something along those lines. Because this movie doesn't talk. If what like is Santa going to be like Neil? If I'd given you that weenie whistle, you would have choked to death on it. Yeah, and that's why I didn't. <laughs> something. Give me a reason. I don't. Yeah. I don't have one. I mean, I, and I, I just and think I, that this, I, I think that a movie about Christmas should really focus on giving to others 
and learning to deal with minor inconveniences and and focusing on major relationship repairs instead of harboring resentments about the stuff you never got. I have one last grievance. On okay, this one. all right. And this is this is in my continuing story of Larry looks out for corporate America on Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I am I am now going to speak through the podcast into the world of the Santa Claus to talk to the good people at Milton Bradley. <laughs> good people at Milton Bradley, it has come to my attention that sometimes when Santa is giving presents to two children, uh, he is actually giving them gifts that you that you manufacture uh, and claiming them as his own. That mm-hmm. is profits that is being taken out of your coffers, good people at Milton Bradley. Um, these are facsimile games constructed by elves for which you are not getting getting re- repaid. Um, you know, you need to seek legal action. Santa is real. He is real. So don't feel like you can't pursue action against him. The police have caught him once. They can catch up with him again. Uh, you know, but you have people you employ. You you need to take care. You need to keep care of your infrastructure. There's something. Merry Christmas, Milton Bradley. <laughs> there's, Merry there's Christmas. something else that's really irritating here. That is that, ne- uh, I keep calling him Neil, Scott makes toys. It's what he sells them, right? He has a doll that he sells. So why in the world is he giving a girl, you know, a Raggedy Andy doll or Raggedy Ann doll or whatever, right? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, He doesn't bring her the doll that she's looking for, but she's looking for that doll. And he never brings that one, which is weird because he literally sells them. I don't, I don't understand that. I, I, there's a lot I don't understand here about, oh, and then the glass ball that Charlie has when he says something like, yeah, I tried to make toys like that once, but nobody ever wanted them. Because he secretly Santa Claus in my head canon, and that was all, he was always Santa Claus. I wish that he was destined to be Santa Claus in this movie. Yeah. I wish, I wish that they had consulted the runes, uh, that they had they had like oracular snowman uh, said that the next Santa Claus shall be Scott Calvin, that they had looked deep inside his heart and saw that Santa was in there and they needed to bring his inner Santa out, that he's the right man for the job. He's just the guy who killed Santa and put on his clothes. All right. It's time to play the glad game. <laughs> so... Andy and I are starting a new tradition based off of Pollyanna, which is when one or both of us is really hard on a movie. And we were really hard on the Santa Claus. And deservedly so. But yes, absolutely. (laughs) That we we each look deep, deep Mm. into our hearts and find one thing about this movie that makes us glad. And I have mine. Andy, do you have yours? I do. And it is how Santa comes to each house, including houses without chimneys. And we get to see him um, create a fireplace where there once was none. I think that's pretty cool. I'm glad for that, that. is neat. Yes. Because it, it answers so many questions. It really does. How does he get down in the house if there's no chimney? Where, wherever Santa goes, there's a chimney. That's right. I like that. That's, that's right. Because that's magic. Exactly. Magic. Yes. Yes. Okay. I am glad that when we meet the elves, the elves are of... Uh, every ethnic background, elves of all genders, mm. elves that like no matter 
who you are watching this movie, you can look at the elves and see an elf that represents you. Uh, I I really appreciate that, and 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 I'm glad. I'm glad for <laughs> diverse elves that that do not have a Eurocentric look. I am also glad for that. What movie are we tackling next week? Now that we have the Santa Claus out of our brains for hopefully ever. <laughs> Well, next week, we are tackling one of your favorites. We are tackling Newsies, which I have never seen, but I have to imagine (laughs) I will respond to joyfully. I hope you like it. I hope Um, I like it, too. I'm good. I need a win. A lot of people did not when it first came out. So we're... We're gonna we're gonna see, but I it is one of my favorites of all time, that's for sure. Well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And you can please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page or drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.